You ready to go? All right. Have your Bibles open. If you did bring your Bible, if you didn't, that's okay. We're going to have it on the screen here in just a second, and we'll get to that. We're in Luke 14. We're just making our way through the good news that Jesus came, man. And uh, Luke chapter 14 is where we are smack dab, right kind of at the end of the uh, chapter. So we're going to start in verses 15 and make our way to verse 24. Hey, will you help me just um, thank all of our worship team this morning, our tech team in the back. Thank you guys so much. Just making the experience inviting for us. It's huge. And all of our volunteers who made Fall Fest possible. We had over 100 volunteers today helping just to make it a great day for all of you. If you're with us today, it's your first, second, third, fourth, fifth time, whatever it might be. We are just genuinely, I just from our heart, we are so glad that you're here. And I just, one, one thing I want you to walk away with, just one thing, and that is God is madly in love with you. And he wants relationship with all of us. He's such an amazing God. You know, I was um, just thinking about things that we can do to really, we want you to know that, you know, God loves you. We want you to be a part of what we really feel. God is doing something so great on earth, and we just want to be a part of that. And we want you to jump in with us. And so we have a few things set up here. Um, one of them is called a lunch next starting point. Starting point is in two weeks. It's on a Sunday right after the second hour. And um, can I just say a, a word about that? It really is not for us to give us a pitch about our church. And we want you to like, you know, like really get excited about it. I mean, we want you to get excited about what God's doing. But we really want to hear your story. Honestly, we really want to know who are you? Where is your background? Why are you here? How can we help you? And so um, that, that's our heart, and so that's starting point, and that's uh, in two weeks. Uh, and then after that, we have something really cool called Next Steps. And Next Steps is just help us to get into the next steps in faith and walking with Jesus and what is God really doing here at MVCC and how can we be a part of it. So we um, just hope that those things are inviting for you to know that, uh, man, it's just from the heart that we want you to, to be a part of what the Lord is doing. I think we should pray. Let's yeah. pray. God, thank you for the amazing worship, the gifts and talents you've given all these musicians and vocalists, God. And I just pray, God, that your message is so crystal clear that, God, you invite us into this incredible, incredible relationship with you, God. Help us, God, to see beyond. We're so thankful that we're going to heaven because of your grace and your love and mercy. But, God, I just pray that it becomes even more than that here on earth. I pray, God, today we would make a choice. We would make a choice, God, to live for your kingdom, not the kingdoms of the world, God. We don't want to live like the world. We don't want to live the way we used to live. We want to live, God, the way you've called us to live, following Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would speak. Remove me, God, even from this message. And I pray that you would just emerge before us, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. amen. You know what's all about life change here? I just, and we've just put up some, some uh, faces up here lately, kind of what's going on at MVCC. I just want you to see that it's all about people. That's what it is. And um, I, I just hope and pray um, these next few moments together in the Word that, you know, if people are finding new life, they're finding Jesus, getting baptized. Some people are getting reconnected again to, you know, with the pandemic and everything. People just, we kind of got disconnected. And so there's just a lot going on. And I found, you know, one of the greatest things about following the Lord is serving the Lord and serving people. And so when we really get down and start serving and helping other people, man, our faith takes off. It becomes exciting. Amen? Amen. So um, it's all about life change. In fact, that's why Jesus was here. Jesus was on the earth 2,000 years ago. He really was here. And he was here because he wanted life change for us. And he laid down his life so we could have that life change. 
And I think the wonderful thing about God is he doesn't force us, he doesn't wrangle us, he doesn't like push us or prod us and, you know, you really should follow me, you should get your life right. He doesn't do that. He was so inviting. He made people want to change. I mean, when you, when you get touched with the love of God, you want to change. You want to be everything that Christ calls us to be because of a simple heartwarming invitation. You know when you get invited to something, isn't it, isn't it a great feeling when you get something in the, remember in the day when we used to get things in the mailbox? And you get that invitation. What's really cool is when it's a handwritten invitation and they made it out specifically for you. There's just something like, oh, cool, what is this? You open it up and I got invited. My wife and I got invited to a, um, a wedding about six months ago. And um, weddings are fun. I, I, you know, I love being, you know, just at a wedding because... Well, for the most part, everybody's excited to be there, right? Everyone's happy. They're, you know, really excited about the couple getting married. And so when we got the invitation, um, we heard that it was happening. And then they sent another invitation out that said, save the date. So the date was as important as the invitation. So when we got the date in there, we put it on our calendars on our phones. And we weren't going to let anything touch that area because we got invited and we wanted to be there to celebrate these folks, you know, amazing day and their commitment together being husband and wife. So it's really cool. You know, it's interesting. I have rarely been to a wedding. I don't even remember I've been to a wedding before where you walk in and, you know, there's things all over the floor and people are kind of just setting things up still in the chairs and music's not playing and, you know, the, the bride is still getting ready and it's just kind of like haphazard. Man, everything has been prepared. Everything has been set up. When we walked into this wedding, it was the most just uh, intimate, just under this huge like oak tree and they had these beautiful you know flowers and and trees in the back it was just the setting was amazing and then we walked over to the reception area and they had you know the tents and the lighting was just right and there was pumping music playing it was just festivities man things are happening and then everything was set up to the nines i mean you could tell that there was months of preparation that went into this because they cared obviously so much about their guest they wanted it to be this amazing moment and so I thought this was really cool um, maybe this is a new way of doing weddings but um, the whole wedding party came in you know how normally when wedding parties come in and they'll do you know this is so and so and then this is so and so everybody claps and it goes on for like 20 minutes the entire wedding party came in together and they were dancing and they were throwing things up in the air and then we grabbed the, the, the DJ said I want everybody to grab your napkin and it was a cloth one and so we we're just like whoa 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 everybody's coming I mean it just was so much fun and it was just fun to be invited into a place where you, you just want to be there. Um, I got an email from a friend of mine. It was, um, through the pandemic, there haven't been, have not been very many pastors' gatherings. Um, pastors need help, too. We, we need help. Amen. And so sometimes, you know, there are pastors' conferences and things. We get together, um, not just to lick our wounds and you know, talk about our troubles, but what can I do, God? What do you really want me to do? How can you inspire me? So um, pastor's conference have been kind of sparse, but I, I got an email from a friend of mine who said, you know, we're having a pastor's conference in uh, Costa Mesa. There's about 150 pastors coming, and I would like to invite you to speak on the subject of prayer and how your church can be a house of prayer for all nations. And I'm like, I've been invited to speak on my most favorite topic. I love to talk to pastors about how your church can be re reignited in prayer. 
And just the fact that I was invited to be there was an absolute privilege to be there. I have to tell you, I was so nervous, you know, to speak before, you know, our, my peers. And I had all of our, you know, our pastors on staff, would you please pray for me? Because I need help doing this. But the fact that I was invited to do that, I did not say, well, I'll see if I can fit it in my schedule. Man, I moved everything. And then, uh, well, when the day came closer, I thought, well, something else came up that was kind of a little more appealing, a little more fun, so I'm not going to be able to make it. I didn't do that. Just like the wedding, we didn't say, well, if we can make the wedding, we set the date, we're going to be there, we're committed, and we're excited about it. Does that make sense? Jesus has invited every single one of us today, personally invited us from his heart to be a part of his party, to be a part of the celebration of God. That's what I want to talk about today, and what I believe God has for us is something so out of this world, something so different. I, I just pray that your world is rocked today, spiritually, that your heart is renewed and electrified, what God, I believe, wants for every single one of us. So back in the day, before we read this section, I just want to remind us where we are in this 14th chapter. Jesus has been invited to come into a home. He's invited by a religious leader who's really not there to seek the goodness of who Jesus is. He wants to trap Jesus. He doesn't like Jesus. In fact, I think it is because he was afraid of Jesus. Jesus was a threat to the religious world. Which, by the way, if you're, you know, checking out church or you've just been here and just, I'm kind of figuring all this out, we are not, I don't consider myself a religious person. Religion is got to do all these things. I consider myself just, by the grace of God, just in a relationship with Jesus. So glad to be there. And I just want to keep following him. Does that make sense? So when Jesus was invited to this dinner, there were all of his accusers that were there. And I think, um, you know, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, back in the day, they had these kind of U-shaped tables. So as we walk into this dinner party with Jesus, everybody wanted the choice place next to Jesus. Everybody wanted to be next to the rabbi. And so they were kind of moving in position. And Jesus, of course, sends this incredible convicting message about, it's not about you, it's about humility and being humble before others and giving others the best place at the party. And Jesus just continues to talk like that. And it frustrates the religious people because the religious people, this was my spot. This was my place. Because I want power. And I want everyone to look to me. And I want to tell everybody else what to do. These people were the ones that were sticking their religious bony finger at everybody else's chest and saying, you're wrong, but I'm right. And that was kind of the, the culture and the condition of the day. So when Jesus comes on the scene, and Jesus brings dancing and music and festivities and celebration interesting the very first miracle that jesus performed was at a wedding feast he was partying with people you know jesus didn't partake in the bad things but he was so full of life people were so attracted to him i just think people went out of that wedding feast by the way weddings back in the day they lasted for like three days somebody say amen, amen. wouldn't that be fun and they just followed jesus outside of those three days of wedding wanting to follow him i believe that and Jesus here is at this dinner. Everybody's glad to be there. And let's find out what happens in this 14th chapter, starting in verse 15. So we're picking it up right in the middle of this conversation. People are kind of moving for a position. They're challenging Jesus. They really don't like him. And so as all this opposition is coming against him, here's Jesus' response. Hearing this, all these negative things about him, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with the story. I just love Jesus' style. He says, let me tell you a story. You know, he never accuses anybody. He doesn't chastise. He says, let me tell you. And the story is so convicting, he makes us want 
to do what he wants us to do. So Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. You with me? All right. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is now ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, Man, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married. That's weird, right? So I can't come. I got a lot of questions about that one when I get there. What? Is your wife telling you you can't go to the party? Bring your wife. What's the problem, right? And the servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go! Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone you find to come so that this house, my house, will be full. None of these I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Wow. What's Jesus saying here? I think it's, again, these parables and stories that Jesus told are meant to be very simple. They're not like drilling down. There's some deep meaning, secret meanings here. Jesus is basically saying, look, He's the master. God is the master of the banquet. He's the one throwing the party. We're the servants. We've been invited. And there are others who have been invited before us, which we'll get to in a second. But there's always room for one more. And what he wants from us is to go tell people about the party. That's why if you're here today invited by somebody, because we want you to be a part of the party. We want you to be a part of what God is doing. So the meaning of the parable is so simple. Number one, here on this, I just believe, you know, simple teaching. I'm a simple person. Here's what God is saying to us today. There is absolutely an invitation that's given for everybody. Everybody's been invited. Now, here's the question. What was Jesus talking about when he was talking about the people before rejected? They didn't, oh, they had just a lot of excuses. Man, one translation I read of this says, yeah, I just bought some land. I got to go check out my dirt. I got to go check out the land. What do you mean? You, back in the day, they didn't have the internet back in the day. So how did he buy land and not know what it looked like? I got to go check out and see what my land looks like. Whatever. Notice the word excuses, right? The second one, man, I just bought these ox. These things are cool. They're going to make me more money. So I got to go make sure that they're doing the right job. Work just squeezes out the invitation that God brought. And of course, the last one. Again, I got lots of questions. Bring your wife, dude. What's the problem? But let's look at it at the context. What is Jesus really saying through this parable? And here's the question I have. Why did so many people reject it? Why did so many people not show up? Why are there so many excuses? I just put up here for us um, the concept or the context of what I believe when Jesus came for the Jewish people first, he wanted to give them first opportunity to come to the party. Now, what does that mean for us who are non-Jewish. If, we're, if you're Jewish here, I just, by the way, whenever I meet a Jewish person, I'm like, can I just touch you? Because, man, you are royalty. You are like, you come from the bloodline, you know, of Jesus, our Savior. So for us who are not Jewish, this may be a little foreign, and I want to just bring a little teaching in here so we can have some compassion and understanding why Jesus invites everybody. Are you with me? 
In the Old Covenant, when we talk about the Old Covenant, we're talking about the Old Testament. I'm just going to take the Moses Covenant, the main covenant, the Ten Commandments, where there are actually 613 commandments that the Jewish people had to follow. It all followed the same process, the same template. God established a covenant through Moses, and the parties were God and the nation of Israel. That's Genesis chapter 19. It all started. Then there were terms for the Jewish people to step into that old covenant and they had to follow the law. They had to offer sacrifices. They had to literally bring an animal to the priest. The priest would sacrifice the animal and then it would kind of roll back all their sins and wrongdoings for the year. It never completely forgave their sin, but what it did is it kind of rolled it back. Are are, are you with me still? Okay, then there were promises. Now here's the cool part. God promised the nation of Israel, if you step into this new covenant with me, which, by the way, God is faithful. He's establishing the covenant. I will give you this new land, this promised land called the land of Canaan, and I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be a blessing to you. You're going to have prosperity. I'm going to take care of every need that you have. And then there's blessings to all nations. I'm going to make Israel such an incredible nation that it's going to bless the entire world. And then, of course, he's going to bring forth the Messiah, which is the greatest part ever, of what God's plan was for the nation of Israel. Now, what happens is, is we take some, some teachers of the day, okay, will take the old covenant promises and they'll roll them over to the new covenant promises. That's why you get some kind of wrong teaching that will say on television, you know, send in your thousand dollars and God will bless you tenfold. Well, here's my question about that. Where does it say that in the Bible? That was, that was an Old Testament prosperity blessing specific for the nation of Israel. So we have to stay in context of what was doing. Now, where this, where this relates to the party that Jesus is inviting everybody to, the analogy, is that this party, this covenant, is way better. In fact, the entire book of Hebrews says Jesus is better than the old covenant. It wasn't that the old covenant was bad, it just wasn't fulfilled yet. Are you still with me? Stay with me now. I, I know we got, you know, Texas barbecue and everything out here. We'll get to that in just a second. Notice there are the parties. Who is involved? Same, same template, same form as the old covenant, but now it's built on better promises. The parties is Jesus and the entire world. It's no longer just a nation. It's everybody. It's you. It's me. And he invites us to be a part of this, John three sixteen. Of course, then there's the term. What's the terms of this covenant? Isn't it wonderful? It's all on Jesus. He laid down his life. He died on the cross. He rose again. So that by faith now, we step into the new covenant, which is built, built on these better promises. That's what's so cool. That's what later in the text we're going to talk about. We should be, who believe in this party, we should compel people to come invite them to the party, right? So why would we want to do that? Because you get forgiveness of sins. You, you get heaven. It's a free gift. How many of you? Well, no, I don't really want to go to heaven. Everybody wants to go there, right? And it's not like you have to be better or good to get there. Otherwise, nobody would get there. Jesus was good. He is God. And that's why he laid down this perfect plan for us. So all we do is step in by faith. And now we get all these great benefits. I wish I could go longer on this. But we get the Holy Spirit power. So it's no longer us that's living by ourselves the old way. But now we live the new way with Jesus in us. Think about this, folks. You take God wherever you go. He's inside of you if you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower. 
And then, of course, he gives us incredible gifts. And the gifts just keep coming and coming and coming. Now, the question is, why did God do all of this? This is basically all on God. Because he loves you. He loves you. And he's not done with us. That's the wonderful thing is he, you see what he does? He invites the nation of Israel into the new party. So why did they reject it? I'm not sure if there's like a real pat answer for that. I got some, some ideas about that. I think maybe because they really didn't understand who Jesus really is. Because they were so stuck on building a cultural, stay with me now, a cultural Messiah instead of letting Jesus just be the biblical Messiah. The series that we're in right now in this section of Luke, chapters 14, 15, and 16 are about, are we really going to live the kingdom? Or are we going to build our own Jesus, our own cultural Jesus? Well, Ray, you know, I don't really want to do that, Lord. I'll do this over here, but I really don't want to do that. And we make, you see what we do? We kind of make our own Jesus with our own rules and our own stipulations. And Jesus is saying, no, you got to let me be me. you got to just come follow me like the, the video said. you got to be all in, man. All in. So, we see an invitation. The second thing we see here is the excuses. And we went through some of those excuses. Now, before we're too hard on anybody, I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes I find myself in one of those three categories sometimes in my life. When I was really stuck in some depression about 20 years ago, I fell into some really, really tough, just depressing days. It lasted for about six months. And I, I just, I, a lot of excuses. I didn't want to, I, I was a pastor at the time. I didn't want to go to church. I, I, I didn't want to read my Bible. I didn't feel like it. I've been asking, God, God, deliver me from this. Fix this problem. I don't want to be depressed anymore. And it felt like the more I prayed, the worse it got. And what I started doing is I started to make a cultural Jesus that was easier on me. Rather than, rather than a God who asked me to step into the tough stuff, but then I get the blessing of stepping into the tough stuff. Does that make sense? Amen. Okay, so we have now the third, which is inclusion. So we see maybe why the original ones that were invited didn't show up to the party. Now, I don't know, maybe you're like me. If, I, if I'm sending out 100 invitations and nobody comes, I'm going to shut the thing down. Let's just go to Vegas. Let's do something else, Laura. Let's just, you know, I'm, why continue all this? But God is so faithful. He's so painstakingly patient and he is so compelling he is so urgent he is so passionate about you he doesn't stop that's why he says all right then go get the others go get go into the streets find the ones that are poor basically that long list of people that they were looking for they can't return the favor they have nothing here's the thing we do as christians a lot is we invite people who we know will return the favor don't we i guess there's two honest people right in the front Oh, we don't say those things. We would never admit that. But we sometimes, in our mind and in our heart, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back kind of thing, right? That's, that's, that's just how the world is. That's the way we used to live. But thank God, we don't have to live that way. We can catch ourselves. And that's why in verses 21 to 24, the parable, the story says, man, I want you to go into the streets. Pick the lame, the crippled, the poor. Invite everybody. And what I love about this, this parable is that they do that. 
That's, that's us. We're the servants. We are called to invite people to the party. And, and, and so they invite all these people in, but this is the coolest thing ever. I can imagine him, you know, going back to the, the, the master's, you know, quarters. Um, sir, we still got room. In his mind, he's probably thinking, well, tell the caterers maybe half full. Or, keep going. Going out into the countryside. Go farther out and invite as many people as you can. It's God's heart, God's passion. In fact, verse 23 says, I urge you, I compel you, which means and exert, exerting a strong, irresistible force to entreat earnestly. Earnestly. That doesn't mean that we're disrespectful to people. If we invite people to come to, you know, MVCC, or, hey, would you like to talk about faith, or what do you think about God, and people shut you down right away. We don't force away. I don't like that when people do that to me. I had a guy, I had a guy come to my door five or six times trying to sell me solar. I said, dude, I appreciate you being here. I said, but I don't want solar on my roof. I got a tile roof. I don't want these panels all over my roof. And if you got panels on your roof, I still love you. But for me, I don't want that. He wouldn't give up. Finally, on the phone, I said, dude, will you come work for me? Because you don't give up. (laughs) There's a little bit of that that's good. And I'm not saying force. I'm not saying harangue. I'm not saying pressure. In fact, 1 Peter says we should share our faith with gentleness and respect of people, right? But that doesn't mean that we're not passionate or urgent or, come on, I'm out on the inside when I meet someone that, you know, I want them to come to the Lord. I've been playing tennis with some guys for about four or five years. And man, every time I get on the court, it's not about tennis. I love playing, but I want so much for them to know Jesus. And it's just something inside of me. Now, I don't say to them every time we crack open a can of balls and say, man, you really got to come to Jesus. Come on now, hit the ball. I don't, I don't do that. I'm just praying, I'm asking, and I'm watching. I'm watching for opportunities where there might be a moment. 2 Corinthians 5.20, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul said these words, I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I implore you, Corinthians. I, I beg you, I plead with you. It's more than anything I ever want for you is to know Christ. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you then, in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Don't play the Christian game. Don't play Sunday church. If you're going to live for Jesus, live for Jesus all the time. But I urge you to do this. Why? Because the party is so awesome, you're going to have a great time and you want people to be there with you. So what's the party? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on a cross and he rose again. All of our sins, all of our failures, all of our hurt, our pain, our trauma, Jesus wiped away every single one of them. We are not punished. We are not only forgiven, but we are not punished on the day of wrath. There is a day of wrath coming. Everybody's not going to get away with everything. It's just like in the days of Noah. And I don't say this to scare anybody, to threaten. I just want you to have truth. There is a day that we will all stand before God. Hebrews tells us. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says, every man, every person will stand before God. Every one of us. And if you know Jesus Christ, if you step in by faith, that's not a scary thing. That's the day you get to meet Jesus. You get to be with him forever. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting to heaven? I've imagined this in my mind once in a while. And God says to me, Mike, (laughs) we've been waiting for you. You know, because I know the bad stuff that I've done. But that's not the way it's going to be. 2 Corinthians 5.19 uses a wonderful word in the King James Version. Do we have any people who love the King James Version back in the day? Some of you, you know, the saints. But you, 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 you grew up with the King James Bible. The King James Bible uses a word in 2 Corinthians 5.19. 
that says he imputeth. He imputeth unto us his righteousness. Come on, we got to say that word. That's such a good word. What did we learn today? Imputeth. One, two, three. Oh, come on. We can do better. That's early. I'm waiting for the 11 o'clock service now. Come on. One, two, three. Imputeth. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. What that really means is he pours into us his rightness. Think about that truth for a minute. In fact, Romans says there's no one that's good. Only God is good. But what he does is when we step into faith and we admit, God, I've sinned. I've done things wrong. I've done wrong things. God, forgive me. What he does is says, now, now I got you where I want you, and I'm going to pour my rightness into you. And when we stand before heaven, we know who we are. I mean, we know the weaknesses. We know the stuff that we've been involved in. Even as Christians, we've fallen back into stuff that we have no business falling back into. We feel terrible about that at moments. But we give our life back to Jesus. He dusts us up and he picks us back on. That's the wonder of the church. The church is a community of people that helps us, doesn't judge us. We don't judge one another. We help one another keep following Christ because there's no one here in the room that's got it all together. No one. And the world is looking for a place to come to the party. That's where they're partying in all the wrong places. I remember back in the day, man, when I was partying in high school. That's all I wanted to do on the weekend after tennis. With my tennis friends, we'd go party. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Stay up late, throw up, don't get anything done. The next day you feel like trash. Oh, that's a lot of fun. That's a great party, right? I want to say, you know, I wish somebody would have told me, how's that working for you? The wonderful thing about this party is that the resurrected Jesus is there. He's there. He came back to life, man. And if you want to talk later, I would love to talk to you about how we know that's true. How we know the Bible says that is absolutely true. And if you got questions, I don't shy away from that. I still got a lot of questions. But God has some answers. Here's a question I have for us. Are we going to build a cultural Jesus or are we going to let ourselves follow the biblical Jesus? How do we get the heart? That's the real question. How do we get the heart to see all the lame the blind people, come on, they're, they're not maybe physically blind, but on the inside, they're just limping. They're hanging on by a thread. I, 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 I hate to even go back to this moment, but I just need to mention it because I know we all live in the same world, but I've had probably four or five friends of mine that have committed suicide. And to say that, well, not everybody really deals with that, I remember having thoughts. I mean, I never wanted to take my life, but I thought, well, if I wasn't here anymore, it'd just all go away. I had thoughts like that when I was in some some deep depression. And look at Jesus is the only one that can pull me out of that. Jesus is the only one that can lift me out of that stuff. You have the invitation to the party, and he wants you to tell other people about it. When when my kids were little, I took um, my younger son, my older son, I'm sorry, Michael, to Africa on a missions trip. And we went, it was a Wednesday, I'll never forget this. We were there for, for two weeks. It was a Wednesday that the guide that was there was telling us, on Wednesday we're going to go to the slums. Now, that word slums, for me, is in our culture, I'm like, don't say that word. That's so degrading. It's so, it, it wasn't a slang word. It wasn't meant to be a negative thing. That's literally what they called this little village where some of the people in Africa, near Nairobi, lived. Can I tell you that when we got out of the van and walked through... It, even to this day, it still haunts me seeing people, liter- people that God loves 
literally living in dirt with tarps over their head. I saw one lady, she was literally in the dirt with her children and had no place to live and she's crying out for help. In that moment, I felt like, what can I do? I don't have anything to give you. And I left from that van. My son and I, Michael, left. We went back in the van, back to our village. Can I just tell you, it was the longest, most quiet ride home we had ever had on that mission strip. And I now know why. Because our heart broke for people that are so needy. And I guess, you know, there's nothing really we can do as pastors and leaders. And I just, you know, we're all in this with you. I, I, I don't want to try and work something up like, yeah, we're all going to go out and invite because, you know, Pastor Mike really wants us to do that. Of course I do because Jesus wants us. Well, I guess I really should invite people. I, I don't want it to be like that. Here's what I found in my life. Number one is I've got to absolutely choose to see people the way Jesus sees them. And then I have to put myself in a situation where there are hurting people. It's then that God grabs my heart. And it's then that I want now. See, the very big difference. I want to bring people to the party. You don't have to. I feel sorry for Christians who feel like we should, we ought to. It's the right thing to do. I guess I should do this. That's horrible. I don't want that for anyone. I want you to leave here today going, man, I can't wait, God. What are you going to do? I want to invite people to the party, to where you are, God. The kingdoms of this world are a mess. Would you agree? We are in absolute disarray. It's a nightmare out there. I've never experienced even in my life it, so much division, so much heartache, so much pain. I mean, you, it's, it's, what's, what's sad to me is we can't even disagree or agree to disagree on stuff anymore. It's, it's sad to me. Labeling people, judging people, condemning people. And here's the thing that scares me the most. The church is doing it. We, come on, let's look at ourselves first. How come all these open seats? Well, it might be because maybe we're not going out and inviting, but it might be because... We as the, when I say big C church, Christians all over the nation, maybe we have given them the reason not to come. Maybe maybe I have judged somebody because of their sexual orientation. Or I've judged somebody because of a disease that they have. or, Or because of the way somebody's living. I've just found in my own life, I didn't have people in my life who told me, you know, you should really stop all that partying. You know, you really should stop swearing. You really should, you, you shouldn't be drinking. You shouldn't be doing that. I'm not saying that that's not right for our kids in a context. I'm just saying for those who are lost, who haven't been to the party yet, why would I try and fix somebody's life when it doesn't matter if you fix their life if they don't know God? I want them to know God, and then God makes them want to change their life. That was my story, man. I was like doing all these terrible things, and when I met Jesus, I didn't want to do that. Now I wanted to serve people, love people, go to church, read my Bible. I wanted to know God. It just comes from the inside. This last thing and then a couple of points and then we'll go eat. I was sitting, I was, I'm sorry, there was a missionary, uh, an outreach person that we support. This is about 10 years ago to Indonesia. He felt the call in his heart to reach the lost people of Indonesia with the good news. And he had come to, to ask uh, if he could meet with me, but I didn't know he was here. He waited an hour and a half. You know, there's something about 
missionaries who give everything to Jesus. They just give him their all. For them to sit for an hour and a half and wait for somebody, that's not a big deal. But for us in the OC, I'm like, dude, that's a long time. The fact that he would wait for me and I didn't know he was there, I came in, had some things to do. I cleared everything off, obviously. Jay, it's so good to see you. He says, man, I have something. I've got to talk to you. And Jay's a, a real good friend of mine that he just absolutely loves prayer. He loves, he wants to see the church revived. He wants to see Christians get right with God. He wants to see society change, just all the things, you know, that we want. He says, man, I got to give you this DVD. I got to be honest, as you know, I'm sure you've experienced this. When somebody hands you a book or a DVD or, remember what in the day they had DVDs and CDs? They didn't even have them anymore. <laughs> And in your mind, you're, oh, so thank you. Oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. But in my head, I'm like, dude, I got 15 books I haven't even read yet. How am I going to do this? He says, no, we need to watch this now. (laughs) When my missionary friend tells me, we need to watch this now, I'm going to sit down and watch it now. I'll be a good student. So we watch this thing. It's about 20 minutes. From the moment it started, tears. I just cried through the whole thing. And what it was about, transformations, It's about little pockets of the world, about four or five of them on this one little DVD that talked about where God is absolutely transforming an entire village, an entire city, or an entire region. And here's how it happened. Here's how it happened. Law enforcement couldn't do it. Politicians couldn't fix all the domestic problems. Jails were filled. They had all kinds of substance abuse issues. Just the the, the, the churches were absolutely dead. They were dead. There was like the, the biggest church was like 30 people in this little village in Almalunga in Guatemala. I saw, I, it was not made up. I saw there were real videos, documentaries they took Bruh. that all of a sudden, the, watch this now, the pastors were the ones that started getting together and saying, Bruh. you know what, bro? I'm so jealous of your church. I'm so jealous of your ministry. I, I've, 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 I want your building. I, I've, I've had bad thoughts about you. I've wanted your job and start confessing. Other guys were confessing sexual sins and stuff that they were keeping in the secret dark places. Other guys were talking about how they stole money from their church and it all just started coming out. And what happened was the Holy Spirit so landed on humility that those guys got a reigniting of, of a fire in their belly to go out and reach their world. It started spilling down into the church. Stay with me now. It started spilling down into the people at the churches. And so now everybody's repenting. Everybody's getting right with God. And can I just say, we need to do that. Stop, Pastor Mike. Stop looking at the world. Yeah, the world's a mess, but quit wagging your finger at them. You need to change first. When you change, they'll want to change. And so all of a sudden, these things started happening in every Bible church in that village. And here's what I saw. And they said, jails are virtually empty. There's hardly any alcohol abuse problems in the city. Domestic violence was now on the decline. The law enforcement was getting saved because they were going to church because the crowds that were going to church are so big they had to have, you know, crowd control, but there was never any fights or any problems or anything. The law enforcement would stand outside and get saved. Yeah. I, saw, I saw with my own eyes seven days a week churches in the night because they couldn't hold as many people as they possibly could who wanted God and wanted more of God. They were inviting people to the party because something happened here. Every time we gather on Sunday morning, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste God's time. I don't want it to be a religious educational experience. I mean, that's important. We need to learn. I hope you learn something. But more than anything else, I want you to meet God. And I want God to fill your soul. And I want so much for you to say, yes, Lord, I'm all the way in. So here we go. Here's some action points for us to to do this thing together. Let's do this together, right? 
And you've already done a great job of bringing some folks to Fall Fest. I am so proud of you. I'm so glad that MVCC, I believe God is putting a fire in us for God and for people. Do you agree? Number one is this. Receive the invitation that Jesus offers today. I don't ever want to assume that everyone's already made the invitation complete by coming to the party. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, to now, to, in fact, the Hebrews, book of Hebrews, today's the day. Today's the day of our salvation. Why wait? Why wait? You can, and right after the service, I, we will help you. We'll be right over here to help you if you want to give your life to God. Or if you've got questions about that, we would love to just help walk you through some of those. Here's number two, invite others. It's so simple. Just invite others. Well, I don't want to. I don't like people. What do I say? What if I ask and they have a question that I don't know how to answer? I have had people ask me questions that I don't know how to answer. It's okay. I found this. When I step out in faith and do it, God just takes it. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know I could even do that. That's God. That must be you. Here's number three. Pray for people in your life. Pray for them. Pray for them. In Acts chapter 16, there was a, a woman down by the river named Lydia. She was hanging out with some other women. The Bible says God opened up her heart and an entire town changed because she went back to the town and told them about what God had just done in her life. And here's the fourth one, prepare the banquet. Now, what I mean by that, going back to the party, we're going to prepare, the, prepare our life, prepare a setting. If you have people over in your life who don't know God, prepare the way for them. Offer them excellence. You know, take them out to dinner. Have them in your house. Do something that costs you something so that they can see God in your life and hopefully want God. And here's the last one. Participate in their life. It, it doesn't do any good to stand social, dis, social spiritual distancing, right? You with me? Don't social spiritual distance. That's over. Gosh, I thought we would get, Dave, I thought we'd get a lot on that one. Be a part of their life. Climb into their problem. Be a listening ear. Love them. Doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. I was mentored by such a great pastor way back in the day. I'll never forget a funeral that he took me to. It was a, it was a funeral of a, um, a gentleman who passed away from AIDS. This is back in the late 80s when they didn't know much about the AIDS virus and HIV and because of his lifestyle and all, there was, it was the saddest thing I ever saw. There was about six people at the gravesite. Six people. The pastor said a few words and then had a closing prayer. There were six men that were there that were friends of the one that deceased, was deceased. A few of them came over to the pastor and I happened to be standing right next to him and he said, excuse me, you didn't read the 23rd Psalm. Could you read the 23rd Psalm? I love that Psalm. I haven't been in church in years. And I love that Psalm. So he read the 23rd Psalm. And then one other said, you know, I think there's one about the love of God. There's one I remember when I was a kid in church that said, the love of God will never be separated from us. Could, could you read that one? I walked away from that experience excited and overjoyed that they were asking for comfort at that moment and my pastor was so compassionate and he was so in their moment. Oh, I didn't mention that he was the third one that was asked to do the funeral. I walked away from that moment 
excited, overjoyed, but sad. Because I think what we've done in the church, well, I'm at the party. I'm here. I'm good. What about people who are on the outskirts? They need an invitation. What if, what if this really was for everyone? How would you be different? How would I be different? How would we, how would society be different? Father, I thank you that you give us simple truth, God, in these incredible stories. And God, I just pray that as it's been so clear to us, God, that you threw the most incredible party and you're still doing it. I thank you, God, that for the ones that have said yes, they're in. And yet our heart breaks for those, God, that have either rejected or have excuses. And I just pray, God, we never give up. I pray we keep inviting and inviting and inviting. Thank you, Jesus. You never gave up on us. And we ask that same urgency and that compelling heart to fill us in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a, just a small, small portion of time here that we wanted to just give you and God. It's a very quiet moment. Our um, worship team just going to play some instrumental music. But this is, this is for you to really take what's called, you know, culturally communion. But Jesus really said this is the Lord's Supper. And so at the last moments of his life before he was going to die, he told the disciples, I need you guys to take this bread and this juice because I want you to have something to remember me. I love you and I want you to remember me. So this is just a time for you to take the bread, take the juice. You don't have to do this, but if you want to, you're certainly welcome to. And just spend a few moments, maybe something spoke to you today about the cross, the resurrection, and how he's invited every single one of us. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.